sometimes <clears throat> an idea pops into my head and I think, wow, that would, that would really make a great sermon. Other times I hear a sermon and I think, wow, that sermon deserves to be preached again. So tonight, Lord willing, will be the former. This morning will be the latter. Okay. There's a guy driving along and he's just driving along all by himself and he saw in the middle of the road a pig. It looked lost. It didn't have anybody, you know, walking it or anything like that. It was just a pig just wandering around on, on his own, okay? So he gets out, and he, he takes the pig, he puts it in the back seat of his car, and he, he drives around looking for someone who, who might claim it, or he doesn't find anybody. So he, he, he finds this police officer, and he asks him, I found this pig. It's lost. I don't, I don't really know what to do with it. What, what should I do with it? police officer doesn't really know. He says, I don't know, I guess take him to the zoo. So the next day, the police officer, he, he finds the same guy. He sees him with the pig still. And he says, I, I thought you were going to take the, the little pig to the zoo. The guy says, I did, and we had so much fun that today we're going to go see a movie. Okay. So wh- when I heard that the first time, I, I thought that was particularly funny, and, and let me tell you why. Because we generally think of pigs as being unappreciative. Okay? We think of pigs as being unappreciative. Nobody would do that for a pig, not even the best pig. You, know, you might think of Wilbur uh, from Charlotte's Web or Babe, or there's a number of other famous pigs that, that you might think of. Um, but we won't do that for a pig. Okay? They represent for us today selfishness. They represent selfishness. Husbands and wives, quit, quit hogging all the sheets. Quit hogging all the sheets. Okay? Or children, quit hogging the remote. It's my turn to watch something I want. Selfishness. Pigs represent for a selfishness. Okay? They also uh, are examples of great slothfulness or, or laziness. Go clean your room. You, know, you may not have ever heard this before, but go clean your room. It looks like a pigsty. Mothers are good at that one. Go clean your room. It looks like a pig's eye. Pigs are examples of, of gluttony as well. Okay? I went to this all-you-can-eat buffet, and I pigged out. I pigged out. Jeff, nobody has ever cowed out at an all-you-can-eat salad bar. Okay? <laughs> if they have, I've never heard of it. Okay? Nobody's ever cowed out. Nobody's ever dogged out at an all-you-can-eat meat place. But when we overindulge in food, we pig out. That's what we call it. We pig out. Dirtiness. Get out of this house. You look like you've been wallowing in the mire. You're as filthy as a pig. A man who is particularly crass, we might simply say of him, you're such a pig. You pig. We might call him a pig. When someone says something that is particularly worthless or nonsensical, that's hogwash. No way. That, that is hogwash. Okay. So all of these examples of, of how we think of pigs these days, they represent for us the worst of things. Okay. And in the Bible, pigs get very little respect as well. We know in Leviticus 10, you know, the, the Jews were forbidden from, from eating them. But elsewhere, the Bible doesn't talk much about pigs, but when it does... It's not very favorable to them. It's just not. But uh, I would like to look at 
three times in the New Testament and one time in the Old Testament where pigs are mentioned, and let's see what we can learn from them. So the lesson title is Pigs and Priorities. Pigs and Priorities. So there are things that we can definitely learn from pigs, and the first one I would like to look at is Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Here Jesus is continuing what we uh, commonly call the, the Sermon on the Mount, and he's going on about uh, judge not, that you be not judged, and um, regarding how to correct a brother or sister, you know, that, that sort of stuff. And if we come down to verse 6 of Matthew chapter 7, <clears throat> we read Jesus saying something interesting. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Okay, there's a couple interesting things that, that jump out to me, and the, the first of which is the violence of the pigs, the violence of the pigs. Imagine if you see a hungry pig, not like the cute one we saw in the beginning of, of the lesson, not, not the lost one, uh, a hungry, you know, a hog, okay, a feral hog. He's, he's hungry, and you don't really have anything on you. You, you know, maybe pick up a rock and, and throw it towards him, see what he'll do. And thinking it's food, hey, this guy's feeding me, and he chomps down on it and, you know, chips a tooth or something, gets angry, and what do you think he's going to do? There's a, a TV show that, that Jeanette and I have seen bits and pieces of where these people are hired to remove feral hogs off of people's land, somewhere in Texas or something, and they have these dogs that help them. You know, because it's, it's hard to chase down the, these pigs. They're, they're pretty quick. So they have these dogs help them. And, and what they do for the dogs is, since the dogs are, are in such close proximity to the, to the pigs, they put, basically it's bulletproof vests, like Kevlar type of vest on their neck and on their chest and all that. Armor. They armor these dogs so that the, the pigs won't do what Jesus is saying here, turn and tear you in pieces. Okay? They like their dogs. They spend a lot of money buying them and training them and feeding them. They want them to, you know, get killed every time they go out and hunt these pigs. So the violence of these pigs is the first thing we want to notice. Second, uh, pigs and dogs, of course, they don't appreciate things of value. Dogs just don't appreciate things of value. Okay. When Jeanette and I leave the house, we, we have a dog, a small little white dog, and <clears throat> when we leave the house, we don't leave her inside typically. We'll put her outside or you know put her in some room where she can't really get into trouble because when we got her the first time, we left and went somewhere or something and when we came back you know, our furniture was torn up shoes were were bit off actually the shoe the shoe that i'm wearing you might notice there's a hole taken out of the back of it because my dog did that she didn't appreciate the value of my shoes can you believe that she didn't appreciate the value of my shoes even we had money laying on the coffee table and she chewed it up okay to her it was just paper something to chew on she was bored she didn't know Okay. She didn't know what that money could be exchanged for. Okay. She had no idea. A dog. Okay. Dogs and pigs don't understand the things of value. Okay. Imagine if whoever has dogs, okay, whoever has a dog or a pet, your wife or someone says, I hate the, the dogs are hungry. Okay, I'll go fire up the grill. Okay. No, we we don't say that, do we? Because dogs don't appreciate how well seasoned the steak is or how perfectly it's cooked, how it's, you know, crispy on the outsides and just, you know, perfectly well done. No, you just, like, 
splorp some dog food out of a can or dump some dry kibble in the bowl and you know they love it they'll eat it all they'll they'll eat until they explode basically you know dogs they don't care you know really what their food is they'll just eat it some dogs are more picky yes but generally dogs okay they don't appreciate things of value okay when when we drop something on the floor if we have leftovers of whatever eating we'll give it to the dog and you know she won't say like "Ah, you know i really like it you know a little bit more medium well, <laughs> or closer to rare, if you would, please. No, she inhales it. You know, she won't even taste it or, you know, basically she's not even chewing it. She just inhales whatever it is she's eating, okay? She doesn't appreciate it. She'll like it, yeah, but, you know, whether it's that or some dog food, yeah, she doesn't really care, okay? So what's the point? What's the point? <clears throat> there are people in the world who do not appreciate things of value. Now, here Jesus isn't really talking about pigs and dogs in verse 6. He is, but he's using that to illustrate something about people, something about ourselves. There are people in the world who do not appreciate things of value. There are people who do not appreciate holy things. Jesus is saying, don't try to give them things of real value. Now, here's the application for us. Do you, do I, appreciate the things going on here today? Do we appreciate the things going on here today? How did you think of it when you got up this morning to, to come to worship with the saints? Did you think, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. This is my favorite part of the week. I wouldn't give this up for nothing. Or for anything for, for grammar people. I wouldn't give this up for anything in the world this is, man, this is what I look forward to. Or do we think of it as, you know, this is just what I have to go through so that I can get to lunch. You know, how do we think of it? Do we appreciate what's going on? Today I get to assemble with the saints and worship God, or today I have to assemble with the saints and worship God. At the Lord's table that, that we just partook of, did you really think how precious that is, or did you just you know break off some bread, gulp down some juice, and say, "There, I've done it. That's it. I'm done." Is is that how we thought of it? I I sure hope that the Lord does not look down on us and see us in our worship and in our Bible study and say, "Pearls before swine," they they don't they don't even appreciate what I've done for them. They don't even appreciate it. I, I sure hope God doesn't look down on us and see that. How much do you appreciate holy things? Okay. <clears throat> Imagine now, let's use our imagination. Imagine someone asks you, or that you ask someone else, favorite movie ever made? Go. They'll say, you know, whatever their favorite movie is. It's Star Wars. Star Wars. We'll, we'll say Star Wars. Okay. And then the, the next question probably is, oh, cool. How many times have you seen it? How many times have you seen Star Wars? And they'll say, well... Actually, I've never actually seen the whole thing. You know, I've just seen parts, bits and, and pieces of it, you know, and people have sort of told me about it. But I've never actually seen the whole thing myself. Well, what would you think of that person? What would you say? How can you say, how can you say that Star Wars is your favorite movie, it's the best movie ever made, if you've never even seen it? How can you say that? Okay, what if, on the other hand, someone says, <clears throat> have I seen it? I've worn out six copies, and I'm on my seventh, and I can quote to you every single line 
forwards and backwards in I even have a stormtrooper costume in my closet and it's it's a lifelike replica and it has all the you know the real if they said that you would think yeah wow you you really appreciate that movie no a lot more than I do okay I've seen it a couple times but you know I don't appreciate the movie that much. It's, it's an okay movie in, in my estimation. You know, I hope I'm not offending anybody. But a lot of people really appreciate that movie. Okay, so let's turn it around on us. How much do you appreciate the Bible? What if someone said, I really love the Bible. It's how I live my life. It's my guidebook for everything I think and say and do. And as Christians, that's, that's what we should say. And then we ask. You ever read it? You ever read it? Well, I've, I've read bits and pieces. Or, you know, someone, people tell me about it every so often. Or I'll even read parts of it for myself on occasion. But no, I've, I've never really read the, the whole thing. I've, you know. How do you demonstrate how precious your Bible is to you? Is it something you appreciate Or is it, again, is it pearls before swine? You see, pigs help us see the value of holy things. Pigs help us see the value of truth. The second point I would like to make this morning is Matthew chapter 8. So just turn over a page or two to Matthew chapter 8, and we'll look at at verse 28. We'll start at Matthew 8, 28. Jesus was coming to the land of the Gergesenes, or, or Gadarenes. When he had come to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. Okay, there's a situation. In verse 29, And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Verse 30, Now a good way off. From them there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine, and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. Where we stop a lot of times, okay, that's what happened, but let's keep reading. Let's not cut the story off before we're supposed to, like we do from time to time. Verse 33, then those who kept them, that is the the swine, the pigs, then those who kept them fled. They fled, and they went away into the city and told everything, including what what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. They begged him to depart from the region. So what's the point of this story? What are we getting at? Okay, what do we learn from these pigs? If we were to live back then and to see the newspaper headlines come out the next day, it would read something like this. Friend of madman causes stampede. Local farmers lose livelihood. Okay, that would be the big headline. And then you know, some were buried like on page 3F or something. Local lunatics made in their right mind. Okay, and that would be a much smaller story. See, to them, the story was about the pigs. Okay, the story was about the pigs. But we know, we know today 
that the real story is about these two guys that had been saved. That's the real story. Let's read carefully. What did the people go to the city and report? Verse 33, they went away into the city and told them everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Hey, everybody, this guy, this guy just came in, and he, he made all of our pigs run off the cliff into the water. All of our pigs are now dead. We are destitute. We have nothing with which to support ourselves. And all the people in town, what are you talking about? How, how did that happen? How could someone make all your pigs run into the water and die? And oh, oh, you know, the, the, uh, the two crazy guys over, over by the cliff, by the water, you know, the violent ones? Yeah, yeah, we know them. We know the guys. Uh, well, this guy comes along and he casts the demons out of them. That should have been the story. That should have been what they were focusing on, the value of a soul, the importance of those two men. But the pigs were more important to them than the souls of the men. Yeah, the pigs were more important. When the people came out, if I was there, if I was Jesus and, and I didn't know their hearts, I would think, hey, cool, these people are coming to thank me. Verse 34, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. All right, hey, these people were violent crazy men okay imagine in your in your neighborhood if you had a couple of neighbors who were crazy okay and you couldn't ever leave your house going the way you want it you have to go around this long way the back way because if you drive past them they'll start throwing rocks and spitting and hollering and carrying on and and just giving you a hard time being violent and scaring you and scaring your kids and you just can't go that way okay Jesus came and removed those neighbors. He healed them. Okay? So now you can go that way. Your neighbors are healed, and now you have peace in the community. And what would you say? You'd say, thank you, right? What do they say? What do they say? Go. Get out of here. You've ruined our livelihood. You've cost us money. Leave. Look at, look at the bloated bodies of these pigs down here. Who is going to pay for that? You don't look like you have any money on you. Who's going to pay for that? Get out of here. Here's the point. How important, how important are souls to you? What are they worth? What would you give for yours? What are you giving for yours? I think it's interesting when we look at Matthew chapter 16 and, and verse 26. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or... What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Matthew 16, 26. When we look at that familiar verse, you know, I've never met anybody who would say, yeah, I'd, I'd give my soul for a whole bunch of money. I'd give my soul if, if, you, if you would give me all the money in the world or if, if, if I could have this powerful position or if I could, you know, have whatever wishes granted that I want. Nobody really ever says that. You know, we're not that easy to, we're not tricked that easily, Right? I've never heard anybody say that. But a lot of people will and do give their soul for far, far less than the whole world. They give their soul for far less. For some piece of clothing, clothing that they uh, refuse to stop wearing or their favorite beverage or their significant other or their job or for what someone else thinks. For these things and, and a lot more, a lot less, they, someone will sell their soul. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? 
That's another lesson for another day, though. The value of a soul. The story in Matthew chapter 8 teaches us a, us a bit about sometimes where our misplaced priorities are. What are other souls worth? Our time, our resources, that's our money, our, our effort. Imagine here at the church building, uh, a few months from now in the summer, it's hot, and our air conditioning breaks. It's hot here. It's, it's stuffy, okay? What do we do? We'll say, all right, fine, let's get it replaced. How much is it going to cost? Well, it's going to be, you know, six, $7,000, whatever it is. Okay, fine, we'll do it. Get it paid for, so next time we come in here, okay, it's, it's now comfortable again, and, and we can worship God and carry on. Okay, we spend that money just fine, okay? But what if the next week a letter comes in or one of our missionaries comes and visits and says, you know, this need arose that we weren't originally planning on. We need, we need Bibles or we need to buy food for somebody. There's, there's a drought. No, that's not uncommon. And then we say, well, no, we, we didn't budget for that. Come see us next year and maybe we, we can get you in for the budget. And then, you know, because we're not going to actually give any more than, than what we've been planning on if this need arose. Because we, we've already set the budget. You know, I, I don't think everybody in here would do that. I, I know a lot of us would give all that we have and more if, if, if we know it could help some soul. But there's some of us that think it's easy to spend the money when it's this. Okay? When I'm uncomfortable, when I need something. But it's, it's a lot harder to release the grasp on the purse strings when it's someone else's soul when it's someone else's soul so when people need the gospel do we jump at opportunities or do we hesitate i I don't know about you you'll have to ask yourself that but but all these questions are ones that i ask myself these are ones that i ask myself if we were the the gatherings or the gergesines instead of being upset over losing our job basically is what happened they were upset over losing your job we should have said how long can you stay how long can you stay? If he could do that for them, our crazy neighbors, nobody could ever do anything for them. If he could help our crazy neighbors, imagine what he could do for me and my family. Jesus, how long can you stay? How long can you stay? And the third one in the New Testament, let's look at Luke chapter 15. Jonathan already gave us the... Uh, the, the backstory, uh, we, we're looking at the story of the prodigal son. Um, it's familiar to most of us, I'm sure. Luke chapter 15, and we'll, we'll look at verse 15. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. So we find the prodigal son. He has spent all of his money, and a famine has hit the land. So he gets a job feeding pigs. And he's so hungry. This guy is so hungry that he gets this bright idea. He's looking at the pig slop. And he says, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I could eat that. that. That looks like it could hit the spot. That looks pretty good. I think I could eat that. I've never been so hungry as to walk up to a can of cat food or dog food and think, yeah, that looks pretty good. <laughs> you know, I don't know how hungry some of you may have been, but I've never been that hungry to walk up to uh, some animal's food and think, yeah, I think I could eat that. 
But this guy is that hungry. That's how destitute he is. That's how hard up he is for food. So he's feeding the pigs. He's looking at their food. And what happens? Verse 17. He came to himself. He came to his senses. It was only at this point that he recognized the value of his salvation. At any moment, he could return to his father and be saved from the situation he found himself in. In his father's house, there was plenty of food. Even his servants had extra bread. Even the servants had extra bread. At any moment, he could be saved from his situation by turning to his father. He recognized where salvation was and how easy it was for him to turn from what he was doing and to be saved from this terrible situation he was in. It was only in the pig slop that made him recognize how far he had fallen. The prodigal realized that he had wasted everything and that it was finally time to come home. What's the point then? What's the point for us? Sometimes we need to look around at our own lives and ask ourselves, did Jesus die for this? Did Jesus die for how I am living? Did he die so that I could do the things that I'm doing? Did he die so that I could keep the company that I'm keeping? Did he die so that I could use the words that I'm using? Or when we ask ourselves that, can we say to ourselves, I've lived better than this? Now for me personally, I, I know that I don't have it any better than to be here worshiping with the saints of God and studying the Bible and, and drawing closer to God. I don't have it any better in my life than when I'm here worshiping God. And I personally, make the application for yourself as far as you, as far as you wish. I personally, I don't need to be thinking things, doing things, desiring things that would cause me to forget that. I don't need to be doing things that would cause me to forget that this is the place I need to be. Not this building, but the mindset of seeking God, being with his people, desiring him. I don't have it any better than that. And I shouldn't do anything that would cause me to forget it. Finally this morning, let's look at Proverbs Let's go to Proverbs and turn to chapter 11. Before we read the verse, though, before we read the passage in Proverbs 11, I want us to use our imagination, okay? We're watching TV, okay? Imagine that. And there's a commercial that comes on. It's, it's for a local jewelry store, and the company, this jewelry store, is selling a beautiful golden ring, Okay, the picture is zoomed in really, really tight on the details of this beautiful ring. Okay, and the voiceover is just describing it and telling us all about it. Wow, this is, this is you know, such and such carrots and, you know, the most beautiful thing. It's even on sale. And, and the, the camera starts to zoom out so that you can see really the, the shape of the whole ring. And the voiceover continues. And, and you just think to yourself, wow, this is the most beautiful amazing piece of jewelry that I have ever seen in my entire life. Okay, you're watching this commercial. This, guys, this is a great commercial. Best one ever made, okay? 
And the camera continues to zoom out. The voiceover is still describing how beautiful this ring is and what a great opportunity it is for you to come on down and, and, and look at it. And you, you keep zooming out, and then you see the background is moving a little bit. Okay? And we zoom out a little bit more, and you see it's, it's sort of shiny, okay? shiny and moving. And it zooms out all the way, and finally you see that this ring that the voiceover was describing so beautifully, and you thought that in your own mind that this ring was such a beautiful piece of work. And you see that the ring is hanging from the bristly, mucus-ridden snout of a pig. Now, I'm seeing some great faces over here. So, how many of us would think, once we saw that commercial, wow, what a beautiful pig. What a beautiful pig. You know, David, that ring really enhances the pig's natural features. It, it enhances that pig's natural features so wonderfully. Wow. You know, come on down and take a look at this ring. The commercial ends. How many of us would buy that ring for our, our lovely wives or our, our husbands or our, our significant others or for ourselves? How many? Okay. Well, no, because the, the ring's beauty, whatever beauty it had, has finally been negated because of where it was. The pig detracted from the beauty of the ring, didn't it? So let's look at Proverbs chapter 11 and let's read verse 22. As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. Now, discretion is not a word that we often use these days, but basically it boils down to the ability to decide what is good and proper in any given situation. So the, the ability to, to understand what should and should not be done in any given situation, okay? So if anybody knows me, you'll know that I'm a pretty big fan of high fives, okay? High fives. Everybody basically knows what that is, right? Kids and, okay, right. So then there's nothing wrong with high fives necessarily, but what if we're at a funeral, okay? You know, oh, man, I'm so sorry your grandma died. High five. Would that be discreet? Would that be appropriate in that situation? Well, no, no of course not. A ring of gold and a pig's snout. That would, that would be lacking discretion. Okay, ladies, how about you, you imagine now. Imagine we're at a wedding. We're at your wedding, okay? We're at your wedding, and you, you invited all the people and all the plants, and you spent all this money, or your, your dad spent all this money on the wedding, and finally the day is here, and, you know, some, someone invited this, this person, okay? And, and you've never really met them before. You don't know much about them, but they are very, very sharply dressed, very sharply dressed, very smart looking, very well put together. Okay. They're, they're looking you know, very modest and, and very, very nice. Okay. Thank you for coming. And then we fast forward a little bit. And you know, ladies, you and your, your husband-to-be are standing up here. And the minister says, you know, I now pronounce you husband and wife. And you may kiss the bride and all of that. And then when he says that, this person that, that we met previously, the, you know, the one that was very sharply dressed and, and modest and well put together, and you know you thought very highly of them. The, when, when the minister says that, you may kiss the bride and the, the husband and wife then kiss, they stand up in the pew that they were once sitting in, and they stand up and they start hollering, yeah, you go, man, you go. 
All right, and clapping and, and shouting and cheering like they're at a football game. Yeah. And he's, he's the only person, or she's the only person doing that. Is that discreet? Because I ask, ask the ladies, you know, ask, ask the bride if, if that's something that's appropriate in that situation. No, of course not. Okay, so whatever you thought about that person, yeah, you know, this, this is an okay person, okay? You know, they're up here. Whatever you thought of that person has probably gone down at least a little bit because they don't know discretion. Now, as Christians, discretion is very important for us, okay? Is jumping up and down and cheering wrong? No, but in certain situations it can be, okay? There, are, there is a proper time to eat a meatball sub, okay? Now, in the worship service, you know, such as this, probably isn't the right time. There's a proper time to clip your fingernails or, you know, text on the phone or chat with your friends, you know, that sort of stuff. But in the worship service, when learning is supposed to be taking place, when edification is supposed to be taking place, is that the proper time? Or are you like a ring of gold in a swine's snout, lacking discretion? We've all seen a beautiful woman before, uh, and, you know, we, we see th- this beautiful woman, you know, she, she is, you know, wholly modest and, and, you know, very well put together, like the person we were describing before. And we think, wow, what a wholesomely beautiful, godly woman that must be, okay? And then, you know, when she drops her ice cream, she starts swearing and cursing and, you know, kicking puppies and stuff, you know. What would we think of that woman at that point? Whatever beauty she had is now just, it's worthless. It's worthless because she doesn't have discretion. You know, there's no right time to kick a puppy or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But there's no right time to swear and curse and use profanity. But, you know, the beauty is meaningless. Being here is meaningless if you're not all here, if all of you isn't here, if, you're, if your body is warm in the pew and your mind isn't here, that's worthless. That's worthless. A ring of gold and a pig's snout. Are you discreet in your appearance? Are you discreet in your speech? Do you say and do the proper things at the proper times? There's four things that pigs teach us, at least. They teach us the value of discretion. They teach us the value of our salvation. They teach us the value of a soul. And they teach us the value of truth. Can we help you see what the Bible has to say about becoming a Christian this morning? If we can, we'd like very much to help you. If you don't know what you need to do to become a Christian, let us know, either now or after worship. And we'll help you however we can. If, if you already are a Christian and you need to return to your father like the prodigal son, if you need to return to him, if you need to repent publicly, you have that opportunity. You can come forward as we uh, are about to stand and sing a song for your encouragement. If we can help you in this matter or if you already know what you need to do and you would like to become a Christian this morning, we, we're ready to, to help you. But let us all remember what we learn from pigs. Okay. 
If we can help anyone in, in the matters that we've already mentioned, please let us know as, as we stand and sing and you come forward for your encouragement.